I'm Danny, that witch next door. And you're listening to That Witch Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode, another week here at That Witch Podcast. I'm Danny. Welcome to the witchy neighborhood. I'm that witch next door, and I'm your host, your guide, your mentor, and instructor in all things magic, witchcraft, astrology, and witchy business. And today, welcome. Happy Friday. Happy Venus Day. Happy full moon in Gemini tomorrow. How are you feeling? Probably chatty. I hope you are just gobbling up this episode and the last one. Really, really excited and ready to hop into aspects today. Um, and really I want, I do want to just like dive straight in because the major aspects, there are five that we consider the major aspects. Um, and I want to be able to give each of them their due diligence here. So let me hit the mic a million times and get myself situated like I could have done before I recorded. So, uh, you, if you beautiful human, this is your first time here. Welcome. Hello. I'm so excited to have you here and thank you for joining. I am kind of rounding out a mini series that I like to call Applicable Astrology. And I really recommend that you head on back and listen to at the very least the beginning of this mini series because we have definitely gone in a specific order in a certain specific amount of time. And it can be very, very helpful. If this is not your first time here and you've been here on this amazing, crazy train, Applicable Astrology, or any of the crazy train that is That Witch Podcast, hello, and thank you for being here as always, and thank you for your loyalty. I seriously appreciate you, and I am so, so incredibly grateful to have you here. Now, last time, um, last, last class. Okay. Cause the last episode that we released was this past Tuesday with the lovely Maddie at Paragon and Bone. Um, we talked all about Yule, one of our, both of our favorite holidays and, um, specifically some pagan history around that different ways that we celebrate and that you can celebrate. And then, uh, the episode right before that, that was part one of two of this little mini degrees and aspects segment within our applicable astrology series. So that is the last time that I'm referring to. And so last time, the way that I left you is giving you an overview of the degrees, you know, really how many degrees there are in a sign, how many degrees are in the whole wheel, uh, and a little bit of insight into kind of how we can start to use the degrees for tools of understandings. Um, more specifically, the experience or developmental level of a placement where it's at within that sign. Okay. So the degree gives us just an even more specific look into that placement beyond saying, I have a Mars in Gemini. Okay. When you want to really start using astrology for personal growth and development, for personal or business or just in general life alignment, um, degrees and aspects really, really gift you with this layer of information that will, it will take your understanding 
to an entirely, entirely new level. So I very, very last left you off uh, explaining to you the yin signs and the yang signs. Okay, so Taurus, Cancer, Virgo, Scorpio, Capricorn, and Pisces or the yin energy. It has often been referred to as the feminine signs. Um, But again, I hope that you kind of reflected on that and thought of some additional expander words to help you even further understand the energy of this categorization. And then the yang signs, of course, Aries, Gemini, Leo, Libra, Sagittarius, and Aquarius. These two categories of our yin and our yang are going to play a role in a little while here as we move through the different aspects. But first up, first up in our line of the five major aspects, again, we are, I haven't decided, I haven't decided. We might do minor aspects on applicable astrology, um, but I don't think that we will on the show. I, I'm, I am debating what exactly I want to do, but most likely if you are really loving the applicable astrology series and you want to learn even further into the aspects and be able to start also learning the minor aspects, um, you will want to get your name on the wait list for that witch school where, uh, the content is going to be very, very class and curriculum structured and oriented. That's where we'll be going a lot more in depth, okay? For now, for today, we are going to focus on the easy and the breezy. You can just take this easy little astrology class here on That Witch Podcast and have a way better understanding of astrology and your natal chart in general than you did at the very beginning. And hopefully by the end of all this, you're able to hear or even look up these different transits that we talk about on all of the time and actually understand how that interacts with your chart, how you can best most efficiently interact with that energy, okay? It's all about acting from an informed place. That's what astrology does. The first up in the major aspects is a conjunction. We're going to talk about a conjunction first because it is visually like the easiest to spot, okay? Especially for beginners when you're practicing and learning a chart. Of course, let me pull up. I'm on YouTube here. I will show you an example of a chart here. Um, you can go to thatwitchnextdoor.com slash resources for additional resources, or you can pull out your handy dandy phone right now, pull up your own natal chart and look for some conjunctions because it's super easy. Conjunctions are clusters of energy. So if you can see the screen right now, these are conjunctions, okay? These clusters of energy. It only needs to take place between a minimum of two placements. Uh, If there are three or more placements taking up a sign in general or taking up a specific house, that is what we have referred to or I have referred to many times on the show and you've probably heard um, as a stellium, okay? It just means like a cluster or a majority. They're really visually easy to spot, especially when, like I said, when you're practicing or when you're very, very first starting out reading charts for other people, um, you can look into, or even when you're just learning your own natal chart, you pull up your 
your full circle here and your eyes will kind of naturally fall to where are their majorities. So for me, I have Venus, my sun, my Mercury, my IC, and Pluto all in Scorpio. It's a lot. <laughs> um, now, not all of those, however, are a conjunction. That's just the stellium. That's just the visual, like, kind of shortcut, easy way to, like, find conjunctions is first, from a really zoomed out point of view, what clusters do you notice? Or what pairs do you notice? What little duos do you notice? Because to create a conjunction, we only need a minimum of two placements, okay? Um, now, a conjunction, well, hold on, an aspect in general, which is just another word for angle. It is one point of one planet or placement, another point of another planet or placement, looking at the number of the degree, and do they make what we have classified in astrology as, as a significant angle or significant aspect, okay? That's why we do degrees first. That's why degrees matter. Now, in each of these five aspects that I'm going to go over, there is what we call an orb. And the degree orb exists because we talked about this a little bit last time. Nothing is precise and exact and perfect in our world. Um, we use orbs to understand how strong an aspect is, okay? So we'll use conjunction first as an example of an orb. So a conjunction means two planets that are close together, essentially. That's like literally what it means. They're conjoined, okay? Um, technically, what we would call an exact conjunction is at zero degrees. Uh, I don't want to use this word, but a, a pure or like a true conjunction, again, the best word for it is exact or precise. A precise conjunction would be at zero degrees, meaning I have an exact conjunction, which is my sun and my Venus placement are both at six degrees of Scorpio. Okay. Um, we allow wiggle room. That's what an orb is. We allow for some cushion. We allow for an orb around that zero to say like, okay, it doesn't have to be exactly zero degrees for us to consider it a conjunction. They can be within a certain number of degrees and we'll consider it a conjunction. So for example, um, conjunction and none of these orbs in all of my research, I have read that orbs um, are not set in stone. Different astrologers have different orbs for themselves. There are some general, like averagely used one, um, used ones. Those are the ones that I'm going to try and provide you here. Um, but just know that that part, like this orbs part, there's no set in stone classification for these orbs. Okay. Um, for conjunction, the orb is zero to 10 degrees. We say that if a planet or two planets or two placements are within 10 degrees of each other within the same sign, we consider consider them to be conjoined or at a conjunction, okay? But if they're a full 10 degrees apart, we would consider that a quote-unquote weaker or more mild conjunction and a a conjunction that's only zero, one, or two degrees or three degrees apart, 
we would consider that to be a pretty strong, okay? A pretty strong energy, a pretty strong conjunction. That's what the orb is. So when I give you the orbs throughout each of these uh, aspects, it just means like some cushion, okay? And I'll kind of illustrate it for you as we go along, but just so that you you know at the beginning here. So in a conjunction, it's probably the easiest aspect to start with. Um, it means it's this merging of energies. It's really easy to remember. If we see stelliums, if we see clusters, if we see conjunctions, we're going to see a, a larger concentration of this energy, obviously. Everybody has a Venus, a Sun, a Mercury, right? We all have the same planets. But if one person has planets like way more spread out and, you know, in different signs and another person has just a few really solid majorities um, in just a couple of signs or a couple of houses even, uh, we we are going to see some very different displays of traits in each of these people. This information helps us use astrology to predict and interact, okay? <coughs> so conjunction. Uh, definitely considered to be uh, like a, I hate doing this. I might not do it. So each of these aspects, just so you know, some of them are considered hard aspects and difficult, and some are considered like easier or smoother aspects. And I will tell you that that feeling or movement or that interaction between those two planets or that angle, um, that, that there is truth there. My hesitation comes from, and we've talked about this a lot, and we will never stop talking about it. My hesitation comes from our human judgment and connotation of the words hard and easy. So we instantly turn that into, so I have these good aspects and I have these bad aspects. I love starting off with conjunctions because it is a really fucking perfect example of how not true that is, that there's no such or how true, what I should say is conjunctions are the perfect example of how true it is that there's no such thing as good and bad aspects. It's all about what we do with it. Okay. If a conjunction means this merging or conjoining of the energies, right? So for me, I've got Venus and my son conjoined and merging together. Technically, this is considered a gift energy, a gift aspect, okay? Um, and it definitely can be quite the PowerPoint. It can be quite the strength point to identify. It can also be a big indicator of overwhelm, okay? I also use conjunctions to look at some of the very first signs of self-sabotage cycles, because often when we have an overabundance of energy in one area, we more often than not, we tend to lean into wherever the heavier energy is. We don't tend to lean into the empty places of our chart. Duh. Like, <laughs> doesn't that make sense? Like, or for example, let's say, um, if you're like me, and you have, if you want to look at my chart here, and you've got this giant cluster of energy at the bottom of the chart in the IC, and you only have like one or like, that's like one placement, basically up at my midheaven, 
technically this is my Mars placement over here, but it it's kind of far away to be having a ton of influence, you know, and pull, and it's in a whole different sign. So my Taurus versus Scorpio energy, uh, pretty out of balance, right? Like just right off of the bat, just, just visually alone, we've got this huge majority and this big lack. As humans, we just tend to lean into wherever the majority is, obviously. Therefore, we're going to see a lot of, of, well, problems in that area. We get wherever we're most comfortable. That's where a lot of our self-sabotaging cycles come from because that's what keeps us in our complacent comfortability. Okay, so that's conjunctions. I I just love this example. I love this aspect because it's A, really, really easy to understand. B, it's really easy to find on a chart. And, And C, it's a great, great example that really proves there's no such thing as good and bad aspects. I find that conjunctions can be a really smooth and easy or it can be freaking tough place. Okay. It could definitely show up as a hard aspect. It really also depends on the other areas and aspects and angles in your chart. Okay. So without further ado, let's move into the next one. And I want to talk about polarities. Um, specifically, we're going to talk about oppositions. Um, so I, especially if you listened to the last episode, I already let you know this. Surprise, surprise. I secretly already did a whole episode about this aspect and it was the polarities and duality episode. So oppositions are just one of my most drawn to angles of the chart. And the energy and interaction of those signs are, it's just so incredibly fascinating to me. And it was one of the biggest like helpers or retentions of my knowledge and study through astrology. So there's a reason why I gave it its own whole entire episode. So we'll just touch on it briefly here, mostly for technicality's sake, um, especially if you're doing good, taking your notes. So polarities are, or sorry, what we'll now be referring to as oppositions. Okay. Oppositions are 180 degrees apart when they are exact or precise. The orb here or the orb of cushion is also zero to 10 degrees, just like with a uh, conjunction. And same thing where where if they were at zero, you know, exactly so, um, let's see here. I don't personally have an exact, oh, everybody has exact, an exact opposition in their chart. A little shortcut that you can go look at right now. And it's your North node and your South node. The nodes, the lunar nodes are always 180 degrees apart from one another. They're always transiting that way, okay? That is an automatic opposition that we are all born with. And that is considered exact. So you can go look in your chart right now. Um, For me, it's two degrees of Aquarius is my North node. And it is two degrees of Leo is my South node. Remember that the arch is over the top for the North node. The arch is on the bottom underneath for the South node. Okay, so if you look at your chart and see those little symbols. So that's an exact opposition. But with your other planets and placements, 
we have a little bit of a cushion there, okay? So my Mercury is at 11 degrees of Scorpio and my Midheaven is 12 degrees of Taurus. That is a one degree opposition. It's very, very strong, we would say. The pull and the and the vibration of that interaction is very, very strong. If my Mercury was at 15 degrees or 17 degrees of Scorpio and my Taurus midheaven was still at 12 degrees, this would be a little bit more medium, a little bit more mild or so of of an aspect or a vibration or intensity of this aspect, okay? But it is still an activated aspect. I really like using that word. Um, Those, when they're within that orb, you can think of that cushion. When they're within it, they're at, at the very least, they're activating that angle or that aspect with each other. And then you use the degree and the exactness to be able to tell how strong that is, okay? Next, so oppositions. There was a whole episode on it. I'm not going to describe it all the way, but essentially they're opposite and they're meant to balance each other. They seem by nature to be total and complete opposites, which is why we use the word oppositions. They face off with each other. Their ultimate goal in working through these interactions is harmony and balance. Please, if you did not already listen to the polarities episode, it's like one of my favorite episodes I ever did. Please go back and listen to it. It's only a few episodes back. Okay. On to the next major aspect here is I want to do squares. Okay. No, I'm going to do trines first. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Triangle. I want you to envision a triangle in your head. Trines. We're doing trines next. This aspect or angle occurs between signs of the same element. A trine can only happen within an element. So Scorpio, Pisces, Cancer, Capricorn, Virgo, Taurus. Okay. That's because the reason we call it a trine is because when you look at the chart, the traditional astrological wheel, you can pull that up on thatwitchnextdoor.com slash resources. The elements if you were to draw a line between the elements, they would create triangles. That's why we call this aspect a trine, okay? If you have ever been told that you have a grand trine or you've pulled up your own chart on a different, you know, website or app or whatever, and it tells you have a grand trine, it means that you have a placement in each of those elements in your chart. So if you have an earth grand trine, you have a placement in Taurus and in Virgo and in Capricorn within the trine degree orbs. Okay. So obviously an exact trine, this happens at 120 degrees. Okay. Um, at exact, that's the exact point. Okay. Um, we give a wiggle room up to about eight degrees when it comes to trying instead of going all the way up to 10. Again, it's not set in stone. That's why it's funny when I look up orb stuff because I'm like, so in a sense, we're all pulling it out of our ass. No, but <laughs> it's almost more of like an unspoken. Yeah, these are sort of the orbs or cushions. Don't get too, too hung up on that. You'll be able, especially in your own chart or if you're reading for somebody else, you can start to really see these aspects activate each other the more practice that you have. And 
right now that might sound overwhelming, but I promise it'll, it will, it will come through. You'll be able to tell. And that's why I like starting with start with really strong, really major, really exact aspects. Okay. You can always continue branching out. Um, because you have a, that there's a reason why there's so many of those lines in the middle of your chart. Those are the aspects. So visually, you know, to the trained eye, you're able to look in and go, well, I know that all of these red lines are the oppositions and these lighter red lines are the squares. These blue ones are the trines. Like you're able to know that once you've had practice and you can go in and use those lines to literally connect the dots. Right now it looks a little overwhelming and that's why I like just focusing on how the chart looks kind of as a whole and focusing on exact degrees. So um, look at natural polarities, look at those clusters to find or, or duos to find conjunctions. And then with trines, then what I want you to do before you even look at the degree, just go look at your elementals in your chart. What do you have for fire? What do you got for earth? What do you got for air? What do you got for water? Do you have placements in all three for any of those? What are the placements? And then what are the degrees? Because for example, if I have a 12 degree Jupiter in Leo, which I do, and I had a 12 degree moon in Aries, which I do not, it's a Pisces moon, but pretend I did, um, that would be an exact trine because it's from fire to fire. Now, what trine means and the way we we read this interaction is it's definitely usually considered a quote-unquote gifted or easy or smooth aspect. However, it's such a smooth and easy one that I love this. I saw in my research and you'll see if you go to a couple of the resources I put out for you. Um, it's called a lazy aspect. And I actually kind of like that because it's true. It's, it is a gift, but it is crazy easy to take your trines for granted and just not do anything with them. Um, they are technically little like superpowers that we're born with. Um, but because it's an area that comes to us with so much ease, we, forget about it a lot. We, we take it for granted and are just like, yeah, I've always kind of been able, you know what I mean? Where somebody else would be like, what you can, and you don't really have the appreciation for it. So even though it's considered, see why again, no good and bad aspects, even though it's considered this easy gift of an aspect, sometimes it does dick in a chart. I'm serious. I am so serious. I, sometimes I like talking shit about trines. <laughs> God, because they're like, they're like the kid that never gets in trouble. They're like the golden child aspect that can do no wrong. And that's not true. You can do wrong with all of your aspects. And I, listen, I personally, I have read many charts and I have read many sinistry charts, which basically is the taking of two different natal charts and looking at how those two charts interact with each other, okay? And I have seen personally many, many sinistry charts, whether it's in a romantic relationship or a person's business, whatever whatever the two, you know, things, charts I'm comparing are. I've seen plenty that are just filled, filled with trines. 
And, you know, on paper, it would look like what a harmonious, open flowing of easy energy. And what's being displayed, how that astrology is being like embodied and applied is shit, is just neglected crap. Seriously, um, I really, so when we get into, and this is why I didn't talk about squares first, um, when we start talking about squares, this is why I, I want you to be able to see through all of the bullshit, the, oh, this is an easy aspect and, oh, this is such a hard aspect. I want you to see through the bullshit and just see each of them for the pure energy that each angle and aspect brings, the purpose that it serves for you. Okay. Um, so it is this open flowing of easy communication. Think about it. The elements understand each other. They just get each other on an unspoken level. If you've ever seen those memes that show like earth signs when they get together, fire signs, water signs when they get together, right? Um, that's, that's a really good pop culture example of a trine. It's this easy, like, Oh, we all come together. Um, but there's not a lot of stimulation there, which is a perfect lead-in into sextile. <laughs> I'm still not going to do squares. We're going to save squares for last. We might as well. So sextile, uh, this aspect takes place between signs of the same yin or yang categorization, okay? That's where this comes into play and why it's important. So a sextile happens every 60 degrees on the chart, okay? And um its orb is actually the tightest of all of the of all of the major aspects. It's a 0 to 5 degree cushion. And in sextile, this is going to happen between like Taurus to Cancer. Um Okay, it can be Virgo to Scorpio. Okay, this is a very collaborative energy between these two signs. I want you to use the word sex and sextile to think like collaborative, reproductive, literally, like coming together to create something. These can bring a lot, a lot of opportunity. Um, <laughs> you know, it's really funny. I don't mean sex in a hetero way at all, especially because it happens between only the yin and only the yang <laughs> energy, actually, um, which is amazing. I, when I very first learned these aspects, um, I'm kind of like Michael Scott and I come up with like ridiculous like analogies or like, you know, cheat sheets, <laughs> disrespect. Okay. Please tell me someone out there knows the office reference I'm talking about. Anyways, I'm going to butcher the quote, so I'm not going to do it. But uh, I used to always say with sextile, the way I remembered what this aspect's purpose was, I was like, oh, it's like queer sex, um, which is awesome. Queer sex is awesome. If you're bisexual, if you're gay, if you're queer, like if you have um, participated with uh, same sex organs, not necessarily identity by any means, uh, you get it. And so you're able to 
you understand how each other works. And that's why you're able to give such a wonderful experience to each other. So that's why I always say like queer sex and it's the best. That's why sextile brings opportunity because it's an opportunity. (laughs) How is that analogy? I hope that it made you (laughs) laugh at the very least, or it made you be like, yeah, queer sex. (laughs) Um, But seriously, this is a very, very opportunistic uh, placement if it's just like, it's not just like a trine, but it's similar where um, there can be a little bit of enabling actually here. So when I think of sextile, I think of like that toxic air sign and that toxic fire sign, like totally pumping each other up and encouraging each other to make fucking horrible decisions. Um, And then same thing (laughs) with the earth sign and the water sign connection, just like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we totally understand each other's like, we understand each other so much that we understand each other's dark behaviors. And if I encourage you to like do the growth thing or like do the right thing here, that means I have to like (laughs) have a little accountability myself. And, And that's where this enabling enabling energy can come from in sextile aspects specifically. So I really look to sextile aspects, honestly, for areas where people might make excuses. Um, It can be very, very opportunistic there. Um, I can even see a hard opposite and see like pessimism there. Like, no, there's opportunity and they're leaning into like one side or the other of the sextile. Keep that in mind you can lean into one side or the other of of really any of these aspects, um, including a, a conjunction, even a conjunction. You could lean into one of the planets versus the other planets more, okay? So no matter which angle we're looking at, there's a possibility that you're leaning into one side of that angle more than the other. And in sextile, this is where we see like some pessimism or some excuse making or some enabling, okay? But there's a lot of opportunity um, and a lot of collaboration that can take place. There's a lot of potential in a sextile. And even though it's considered a major aspect, I find that it is super, super, super glossed over very often, especially in like beginner astrology and definitely in like horoscope work and stuff like that. So uh, look at your look at your sextiles. Lastly, I saved the best for last. I'm calling it the best to get you to open your mind because squares are hard and that's okay. Squares, squares, squares might be the hardest aspect. Um, They might be. They might be the hardest aspect. Oppositions ain't easy. I won't lie to you. They ain't easy. But there is something about a square you know what it is? It brings way more uncomfortability. At least in an opposition, you can just like full-blown avoid almost. Um, Just lean into one side or the other of the opposition. In square, there is freaking undeniable tension, okay? When we are in squares, we're at 90 degree angles in the chart. That means that this angle or aspect takes place between modalities. So if you didn't listen to modalities, you need to go listen to it, okay? Seriously. I kind of learned aspects before I was comfortable with modalities. And I I do believe that it slowed down my retention and my understanding a little bit. So 
seriously, go listen to the modalities episode. Um, it will really give you insight into what certain squares look like when you understand, have a firm understanding of what signs are what modality and what that kind of looks like, how it displays itself. Um, so this happens at 90 degrees, like I said, um, exact zero degrees, but we go up to an orb of 10 or sorry, of eight degrees. This is a zero to eight degree cushion. Okay. Between certain modalities. Now I have, and we've talked about this a lot on this show. I have a lot of fixed energy in my chart, fixed placements and all four major, uh, axes of my chart are, are fixed. So my rising is Leo, uh, my, which is my ascendant. My descendant is Aquarius and my IC is in Scorpio and my MC, my midheaven is in Taurus. Those are the fixed signs. Boom. Um, and on top of that, I have major planetary placements in all of them as well. So I have a fuck ton of squares in my chart. Um, I know this energy very well. Uh, my husband's chart is literally made up of essentially oppositions and squares. His chart on like when you pull it up on time passages. And so if your chart looks like this, it looks like a square T. So it looks like this just giant cross in the middle, this giant like T shape and a big square around it because like the vast majority of his angles and aspects are squares and oppositions. Um, both considered hard aspects, but again, I love oppositions. You know that. Anyways, here's the deal with squares. Here's why they're tough. (sighs) Modalities, signs within the same modality move the same way. That doesn't mean they necessarily collaborate very well. And the reason why is because for successful collaboration, for successful movement, to get the wheel all the way turning, if you will, you need all three modalities. That's what that whole episode was about. That's why I think it helps highlight square aspects so much. Um, We need cardinal, fixed, and mutable for this like holy trinity of success, right? Uh... So when you get the same modality, you would think, oh, we get each other, right? No, you move at the same way. That's all it means. And so you actually find one another at an impasse. That's one of the best words for this. You find one another at an impasse. Um, there, it, it's almost like with the, within the modalities, within the squares, it's almost like, all they have in common is the modality and everything else is foreign and different and tense. Um, and like they come from two different worlds. Uh, and that's where this like hard stop comes from. That's why earlier, you know, this whole week we talked about, um, or no, it was last week, I believe we went through so many square aspects and I had talked about, how tense and awkward and rigid that time is when we're being hit with lots and lots of square transits. Um, This is, especially with fixed, it's such a good example. They're really at this impasse, right? Unmoving. 
Squares between mutable signs? Oh my God. They can be like dancing around the issue, never really getting to anything. So they never really address it at all. And so it just totally goes on un- unfulfilled, un- unconfronted and-, and therefore not moved through. That's how uh, like non accepted or dealt with square and mutables happen. With squares and cardinal energy, it's it's quite explosive, as you can imagine, being the initiators. Um they this this blockage that can happen when they when they reach or confront each other can be very, very explosive. Okay. So really, really advise you maybe even re-listen to the modalities episode with this fresh information as well. It will really help you to start understanding how squares look and how they, how they interact with each other. Here's the deal though, even though, you know, I'm painting such a lovely picture right now. Um, ah, they're the most transformative aspect. I, I know that they're so hard when I look at them coming up. I'm not like, Great. I'm so fucking excited for a square. Like, no, I get it. Like, I don't look forward to it either. Um, but holy shit, when you start tracking your own astrology and like really looking at your lunar transits and just the regular planetary transits hitting your own natal chart and you, you know, it's been a few months, it's been a year or so. And you can look back through those square transits and like so tangibly see the freaking growth, the progress, the manifestation. Square aspects are like boot camp. They suck. They suck. They're the confrontations we want to avoid the most. <laughs> or the they're the confrontations we want to just like constantly attack. They suck. They can be real points of agitation and aggression. Um, I really encourage leaning into squares and it doesn't feel easy, but the more you avoid, you're just avoiding your own manifestation and transformation. So, um, don't look at squares as these places of doom. Look at them as places of growth and know that growth comes with the growing pains and let's validate that. Let's validate that it's hard. Let's lean on our other like eases and gifts. This is a great time to lean into the trines. This is a great time to stop taking your trines for granted when you're really going through the thick of it in some square transits or you are born with some really hard square transits and you just like naturally have this like kind of like conflicting energy within yourself at all times. That is my um, Mercury or sorry, yeah, that's my Mercury too. My Mercury and my Pluto in Scorpio square, my Jupiter in Leo. Okay. Um, I, that's just at all times, those energies, my, in general, those parts of me conflict my ascendant qualities in Leo and all of my, I see in my roots in my Scorpio, which is where my freaking sun sign, my ego is right. They're at all times like conflicting with one another. And really leaning into that, just like embracing that conflict. Um, I've experienced, and I think it's why I ended up doing the polarities and duality episode. In squares, we end up finding and 
and really discovering a whole new sense of duality. It's different than the duality, you know, the exact polars, like I talked about, that kind of duality. But there's this duality of like, we both exist. We both accept each other's existence. It's not about squashing one over the other. In this case, you know, my, you know, these Leo qualities and, and its mission and my, my Scorpio qualities and its mission. Both are valid. Both, both missions are important to my overall, right? My higher self chose the placements. So look at squares that way. My higher self chose these aspects for a reason. Let me have the courage and strength to explore why. That's how you really activate and harness a square. So I'm going to leave you by saying it is okay and it is so normal if this is super overwhelming. I really hope and I really tried to break it down and make it as easy as possible. It's definitely one of those areas of astrology that is best, best learned visually. So um, being able to play this episode, to, to press pause or rewind whenever you need to, to pull up your own chart, make notes, things like that would be a great idea. Really, I want you to be able to do that with the whole entire Applicable Astrology series. I want it to feel like a class. Um, and you can really take the episodes and use them that way for yourself. So take your time with not only today's episode, but with last episode, okay? Not the, well, the Yule episode, you could take your time too, because it's just a great episode. But the part one of two of degrees and aspects, take your time with that one and this one, make your notes, look at your chart. You can always take screenshots and use the little drawing tool to circle things to save for later. Or if you have questions, you can send those screenshots to me. It helps a lot when you have a screenshot, because I personally am very, very, very visual. Um, And you might be as well, so that might help. Um, But take your time. Please do not hesitate to reach out with any questions. If you are loving this, we're going to go even deeper into astrology, into that witch school. But now that we have really covered the main logistics, we are going to spend the last episode or two of this series really talking about Now, how do you actually use all of this information in real life? What are some real life practices that you can take all of these different layers of astrological information, put it together and actually do something with it and live a more enhanced, well, really just a more aligned life. Okay. Um, all right, everybody, this as always was absolutely amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate every single one of you. I am officially donezo booked out for the month of December for one-on-ones. Okay. I am now opening my books for one-on-one sessions in January. Now we can set up a one-on-one session where we use your chart for personal development. Okay. So we'll look at your, your natal chart. We'll look at self-sabotage cycles. We'll look at areas of growth. We'll look at strengths and PowerPoints, really how to harness these areas and work through and burst through these cycles, um, and really get you on a path to, to alignment. Uh, we can focus in areas like relationships and interaction. We can focus on 
money, financial habits and spending, um, and kind of, you know, overall direction where you're heading in your career and things. Uh, I love, love, love doing sessions really geared around family astrology and parenting. Um, these are all of my favorite areas to really explore with each other in my one-on-one astrology for personal development sessions. Those are 222. I offer multiple payment plan options. You can head over to my website and you can request request a date to book that and secure your spot. I also offer business astrology sessions where we use your chart. And if you are already running your own business, we will also cast a chart for your business and we'll look at the synastry. We will look at your business's role in your life. We'll look at your role in your business and how you can really use your strengths, your natural traits to enhance and create this sustainable, aligned business direction and plan. A lot of those sessions are geared around astrological foundation that we use to then create really solid practical business development strategy and advice. So I always, always, we, by the end of the session, we have some kind of action plan set forth for you so that you feel really motivated, really, really refreshed in how to move forward, really informed in your business as well. Those business astrology sessions are $333. They, um, both sessions are 90 minutes a piece. They are recorded on Zoom and they both come with a summary, a written summary with the charts that we went over during the session so that you can reference the playback video or the written summary forever after our session together. Um, I really, really love those one-on-one sessions. So I only offer just a handful of those every single month. And again, I offer multiple payment plans to fit your budget. So you can head over to my website, thatwitchnextdoor.com slash services, and you can request to book your appointment starting as soon as January, 2022. If you're interested, if you love learning here with me, make sure you get your name on the wait list for That Witch School. I have a really, really exciting early bird special that I will be revealing at the end of the month that will literally only be available to anybody that already had their name on the wait list at that time, okay? Um, You will, let me just you'll be basically getting content that will only be exclusive to you and nobody else ever again. So um, make sure you do that, thatwitchnextdoor.com slash thatwitchschool. And as always, you're amazing. You're magical. Thank you. Thank you for being here with me in my witchy neighborhood. You make all of my dreams come true. And I'm so grateful for all of you. Stay safe, have fun, and stay magical out there. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of That Witch Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, I would be really grateful if you would head over to iTunes right now and leave a super nice five-star review. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at thatwitch.nextdoor. I love connecting with all of you outside the show. Keep those questions, keep those comments coming. 
You can send fan art suggestions for topics on the show. You can nominate people to be interviewed on the show. Send anything like that to thatwitchnextdoor at gmail.com. And if you'd like to work together, I am offering a really amazing mentorship program. I'm only offering a very, very limited number of spots. You can submit your application and learn more on my website. And you can also book a one-on-one session with me at thatwitchnextdoor.com. Thank you so much again, and I'll see you all next week.